Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome to our very first podcast. How exciting. I am so excited. We cannot wait to share with you all of these wonderful discussions about theater and musical theater every single week on Mondays. And we cannot wait to break that fourth wall (laughs) and have intimate discussions about how we can promote positive change in musical theater in terms of greater representation, inclusion, and diversity. So, welcome to Breaking the Fourth Wall. All right, so let's get started with our puzzler. What puzzler do we have this week, Tim? All right, I've got a fantastic one for you. All right, ready? Yes, I'm ready. Who are five women that have won a Tony Award for Best Direction? Okay, five women, five females. Oh my, okay, yes. Press the pause button. We're going to come back to this. We're going to circle back at the very end of our podcast, and we're going to see if you can identify five women all right. It gives me a little more time to think about it, so <laughs> that makes me excited. Okay, I can't wait to talk about that at the end. We'll have to just wait around for the end of our conversation together. Awesome. So why don't we jump forward and uh, let's talk about what's uh, been in the news this past week on Broadway. Okay. Well, because we're at the end of the summer, right, a lot of musicals are closing on Broadway. Mm-hmm. We just had three close yesterday on Sunday, The Share Show, King Kong, and Pretty Woman. They All three closed the same day. And I have to say, they've enjoyed a pretty solid run. And then we also had two musicals close the week before last on Sunday with The Prom and Be More Chill. And we got to see uh, Pretty Woman, The Prom, and Be More Chill on Broadway. And I have to say, I absolutely loved The Prom. I I laughed like I laughed (laughs) before when Bob Martin wrote Drowsy Chaperone. Same kind of wit. It was just so much fun. Uh, And it was a great evening of theater. And I'm super bummed it's closing. But you know what? I really think that this is going to be the new kind of like hairspray that like every every regional theater is going to want to direct. Every, I hope, every um, college production is going to want to do. I think it's going to get a lot of afterlife beyond Broadway, both hopefully at the national tour circuit, but also more importantly, like at the regional and lower levels so that we can really uh, spread this message. And... We see with the prom a two lead characters um, of both being female a female relationship, which we haven't seen that besides I believe Head Over Heels prior to the prom, which we also got to see, which was like we saw the night before it closed. And yes, I think did we see the prom and Head Over Heels in the same time that we I were think in New so. York? Yeah, it was a really cool season because I remember us going there and thinking this is really cool how much representation that yes. we're seeing on Broadway in that season. It was yes. Really cool. I wish it would have stayed open longer, but I think now the opportunity for people to produce it at a regional level is going to be amazing. And like you said, at the college level. So what else is going on? All right. So also, Sarah Bareilles released this amazing album that we were just listening to right before we started this podcast recording. She released an album called What's Not Inside, The Lost Songs from Waitress. I am my father's first and only son. My family worked until the job and it has done. these outtakes and demos of tunes from the musical that were cut. What do you think of it? I thought, I thought it was really cool because you got to see kind of or hear similar songs that actually made the show. Yes. Uh, and then the style of writing was very similar to some of the songs that are currently in the show. 
And it offers, I think, an interesting, unique perspective as to what Cerebrellus was thinking about when she was actually writing the music. And this often happens, you know, many, many songs are written for a Broadway show and they never make it into the cut of the final, you know, the final round of songs. Right, for the show. right. But I think this is such a cool idea because we've been living with this music and I think it's been such a popular album since it first made its way to Broadway yes. that we finally get to hear kind of a new perspective of different... Um, different songs that Sarah Brillis was writing and the way she recorded it is really cool because she it sounds like she's just kind it's of raw, raw right it's like very raw and some songs are just turned the piano it's like almost she just turned on pressed play on a recording device and started playing but there's also some songs that have a little bit of bass and maybe just a little bit of production but I think is a really cool way for to let the audience inside especially those fans of Waitress that just love the music of Sarah Bareilles. love the musical love her music and what a wonderful representation of a female female composer lyricist and um also a ooh I'm letting out my tips a little bit early here <laughs> oh I see where you're a going a female <laughs> director okay so we got one don't don't get too excited but we, we didn't say the name so maybe out there if you're if you're listening and you don't know exactly who yet you can think about it a little bit longer but waitress is closing in January the very beginning of January of 2020 so if you haven't seen it go check it out and I'm honestly going to admit, we were a little late to lunch when we actually saw this. We saw this just like, what, like last time we were in New York? Yes. And probably should With have seen it. With Shoshana Bean. And Jeremy Jordan. Yes. Amazing. And, and I'm so glad we did. And it was one of those things where I had heard so much of the music and I just did not know what to expect and walked in there. And by the, from the moment you walk in, you smell those pies and you're just mm -hmm. immersed in the world. I just thought it was such such a great show. Yes, it's it's on my to-do list. Absolutely. Okay, so the next musical... Um, Six, the musical, which is, if remember, this has been in the news quite a lot lately mm -hmm. about the six, it's a, six females, the entire cast. It is set an opening date on Broadway, right? It's transferring. And the previews are starting February 13th, and it's going to open March 12th in the theater that held Waitress. So in the Brooks Atkinson Theater. It's it, moving straight in as Waitress is closing. It's like female power replacing female power. I know. I'm I so excited. And then um, we just found out that Hades Town is announcing a a tour starting in fall 2020, which is exciting. Um, we think, saw it. We loved also, it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Absolutely. I think they announced like 30 cities already or are about to. And, and one of them include L.A. and all the major cities. So how exciting for those those audience members who had, did not have a chance to see it in New York are going to see it in their city. Absolutely. Or those those folks that can't get to New York for whatever reasons, they have a chance to experience the the wonder and creativity of Town, the musical. And we just saw it. We actually saw it in its final preview before the night it went to, uh, opened on Broadway. Yes. And me personally, I'm a huge concept musical as a director. I love directing concept musicals and I love musicals that take risk. And I this know show, you do. <laughs> and it combines Greek mythology and Greek history. It's just, I, I, I had my jaw dropped to the floor the entire evening of theater. And I just thought from the visuals, the, the design elements, it's just an, a magical evening of theater. Yes. And also, uh, Diana the Musical has announced a Broadway run as well, and it is going into the same theater, correct me if I'm wrong here, into the same theater that The Prom was in, mm -hmm. which now is has been taken over by The Lightning Thief, which is running from September September 20th for only 16 weeks. It closes January 5th. And then Diana is going to slide right into that theater slot. Opening March 31st for previews. And then um, shortly thereafter for their opening date in Broadway. And Diana is making its transition straight from the La Jolla Playhouse here in San Diego. Which I think is really cool. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. A musical about a female. <laughs> exactly. Exciting. I love that. Um, so as I was starting to research what was going on in Broadway this week, and as I was seeing a lot of um, musicals that are either about females or musicals that have different directors, I was curious to start to see what was opening on Broadway coming up in this next season, this next Tony season, and what types of musicals we are starting to see and what musicals are directed by females. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because what, last year, there was only one female director, really, in the entire gamut of, was it both plays and musicals? No, not plays. Just musicals. Just okay. musicals, yes. And, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if there's been any progress that's been made. Well, we always, this is a topic we always have mm -hmm. about female representation. Um, one of the many topics we have, but female representation as a director, especially because of Hades Town <laughs> last year, which I'm sure you're going to get into with your, with your puzzler when we come back around to it. That's two. Mm-hmm. But um, I... As a female myself and a female aspiring director, I was really curious as to where we are coming up in this next Tony season because we only had one female director in the last Tony season for musicals. Right. Plays is always much different. They seem to have much more representation on Broadway. So as I was going through, I have a list that I compiled here of what musicals are already set to open next this coming season. Oh, cool. And I was going through all of them and I was looking at every single one that has a date set already okay. and a theater set mm -hmm. and which of them have female directors. As I'm looking through this, I see Tina Turner, the musical being directed by a female. I am also seeing Jagged Little Pill directed by a female. And then uh, other than that, uh, the only other musical that is directed by a female that has a date set for Broadway is... Um, uh, the co-director musical, six. which is six, mm -hmm. right? And the writer is, is female, one of the writers, and she is co-directing it. That's correct. So we're seeing two female directors and then a co-female director. Three musicals that are set for the entire season already. And how many musicals total are are confirmed, have a, have confirmed opening dates? I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I, I have nine so far that have like confirmed dates. So out of the nine that are so far set with dates, which there are at least a dozen more that have, that don't have a date set. We're looking at three females, three out of nine, but at least it is better it's better than last year, right? You're right. That is a, that is a step in the right direction. At so least we are making progress. We are making progress. With female representation as a director. Now, I know in the weeks to come, we are going to be talking about um, the creative team, the designers, the stage management. We want to we mm -hmm. make sure we look into all of that as well as we are going through what's happening in Broadway. But looking at female representation for directors right now, we have three. Right. And so would you like to know those? I'd be curious. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about six. Mm -hmm. Six, the musical has a co-director. I think it's one of the original conceivers of the show. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Moss. Right. Yeah. Who is one of the writers. She is co-directing as well. And then the other musical is Jagged Little Pill, mm -hmm. who, of course, is being directed by the brilliant. Da -da -da -da. Diane Paulus, one of my heroes. Yes. And then um, who actually, uh, fun fact, coming up in the next season, the 20, 
the the next next season so after this Tony season. Twenty twenty one season. Right? Yeah, she is supposedly set to be directing seventeen seventy six the musical. I've heard about this. I'm really really curious to know because obviously it's a very male driven show. I think there's only mm-hmm. one female principal in the show. The the role of Abigail Williams. Yes. So I'm curious to know how how Diane's going to take her spin on it. I think many of us in the in the community are really wondering. There's got to be something conceptual she's going to be doing with the show as opposed to just presenting it as is because it's obviously it's it's heated political climate we're in right now. And so I think that the subject is timely, but I'm, I'm just curious to know the perspective of a female director taking on such a male dominated show. Me too. And then the third musical that has a female director is Tina Turner, The Musical, directed uh-huh. by... Phila Deloid. Who, yes. Who, uh, who directed Mamma Mia, who obviously enjoyed a successful run on Broadway. So mm-hmm. we're excited to see her come back and direct Tina, uh, the Tina Turner musical. So that's three. So compared to last year, because we are always wanting to see how musical theater is progressing and we're talking about female representation in, in the director arena, it is better already. Don't, yes. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I think I think three is far better than one. I would like to see a stronger balance. I think we could still keep pushing and keep pushing and, and see, you know, if, if we're producing nine or ten musicals in a show, in a season, I would love to see five or even six of them be directed by women. Uh, but I think we're moving in the right direction. I agree with you. Could it always be more? Yes. But we're moving in a better direction as of last year. Uh, we just we're ending the summer season. We're just now finishing up summer stock and summer season musicals. If you think about right now, the last few regional theater productions that you saw were the females were the were the musicals directed by females. I know for me, I can think of only gosh, I can only probably think of like one maybe off the top of my head. I can't of think of any that I saw this summer that were directed by a female. And I'm always very, the first thing I do is look at a playbill, um, especially as an artist, Mm -hmm. a director, a choreographer, and an actor myself. That's the first thing I'm so excited to see who helped um, create the work and the concept that I see on stage. And so it's it's hard to think of a few, right? Yeah, it is. I actually, it's really interesting that you brought that up because I'm really racking my brain to think of any female director in the regional circuit, at least in, uh, on the West, uh, in Southern California that, that we've seen who's directed a musical uh, regionally. And then also, what do you think we can do to change that? Because we, especially <laughs> you and I, we are always doers. So I always, it's always a little challenging when people say, I would love to see more female representation not only Broadway, but mm-hmm. in regionally, community theaters, in, in college, educational settings as well. What can we do to advocate for more change? How can we start, you and I, and all of you listeners out there, what can we do to start, even if it's the smallest steps, to see more female representation? Because I, I really do believe that we all want that. It's just finding how do we get to that point where there is a, a, a larger diverse representation. And because we're talking about females specifically mm-hmm. as a director, yeah. what can we do to start that trend or to help advocate for that change? Absolutely. That's a really great question. And I think that if you look back to when these shows were conceived and go back to where they started their journey before making it to Broadway... Uh, they either stem from academic institutions or they stem from workshops or they stem from um, 
basically the idea of the songwriter and the lyricist. And oftentimes the next step that they take is in a workshop or reading environment. And I think there is where there's a unique opportunity for either the creative team or whoever's running those workshops, the artistic directors or the, uh, the creators of these workshop readings can say, you know what, we need to be at the forefront of pushing the boundaries of female representation in terms of directors. So let's make sure that we find one, a talented director, but two, let's make sure that there is a, a, a balance of female representation in these readings. And then if they pick up steam, making sure that that journey continues. Like and Six the Musical is Exactly, doing. exactly. And Same thing with Hadestown, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That uh, was, Rachel Chavkin's was... been with Anais Mitchell since like it's basically its inception, and she's been on that journey with her uh, up until the moment it won the Tony for Best Musical. And so I think that we need to go back and we need to go to the inception of these shows and we need to think about the people that are creating these shows and producing these shows at the workshop level need to make sure that the female voice is being addressed as a director. Absolutely. And I don't think it's anything that is done with a negative tone or a malicious intention. I just think we need to all be aware of it. That, I agree. I totally agree. So let's take it back to our puzzler, Tim. All right. All right. So uh, our puzzler today, I'll go back to the question itself all and right. then uh, we'll break down the answers. So the question was, who are five women that have won a Tony Award for Best Direction? All right. So of course, number one, Hades Town, Rachel Chavkin. Yes. One of my heroes. I love you, Rachel Chavkin. She is amazing. Brilliant, brilliant director. Okay. Also, of course, Diana Paulus. She won one for the Pippin Revival, right? That's right. Okay. And then um, Susan Stroman for the producers. Correct. Because I wrote my thesis about Stro, so of course I can't forget her. <laughs> and then we have Julie, right? Julie Taymor. That is correct. She did the she won one for the Lion King. That's right. And that's the I've been thinking about this the last eighteen minutes we've been talking. I can't think. Tell me the fifth one or um, at least another one. Well, it's kind of a trick question because Uh-oh. there have only been four women who have won a Tony Award for Best Direction in the history of musical theater. Well, that answers my question as to why I couldn't rack my brain. Think of another one. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to trick you up there, oh, but that, oh. I wanted to prove a point there. And, and hopefully in 10 years from now, we can just say we can run down a laundry list of strong, powerful women who have won Tony Awards for Best Musical. And I hope that someday we can just say, and I do believe we'll get there, we can just say best director, some of the best directors, and that they just happen to be females. Yes. We're not best female director, not best male director, best director. Yes. And we want to leave you with just one little uh, audio clip of Rachel Chapkin and her 2019 Tony Awards acceptance speech for Hadestown. Mm-hmm. I think it was such a powerful moment in the in the theater Absolutely. and for live viewing audience at home to watch. So take a listen. I think it really sums up where we are heading on this journey for this podcast. We can't wait to see you next week again for another exciting conversation about musical theater. Let's let Rachel take us out today. There are so many artists of color who are ready to go, and we need to see that racial diversity and gender diversity reflected in our critical establishment, too. This is not a pipeline issue. It is a failure of imagination by a field whose job is to imagine the way the world could be. So let's do it.